This is Sanjeev Gupta with Socialism in the Time of Corona. This episode continues our exercise in socialist imagination with organizers from the Democratic Socialists of America, or DSA. A few days after Biden's inauguration, we held our own counter-inauguration, laying out our alternative vision of the 100 Days program, uh, usually announced by U.S. presidents at the beginning of their terms. In the second half, we'll hear from the Afro-Socialists and Socialists of Color Caucus, who point out that the racial discrimination uh, inherent in the very first 100 days programs uh, announced by FDR uh, somewhat colors uh, our usual sort of uh, perceptions of, uh, uh, of that uh, period. Uh, the Green New Deal campaign, which asserts the importance of organized labor in addressing climate change, and the International Committee, which enumerates specific socialist demands to curtail U.S. imperialism. This event was not purely a speculative exercise. The extent to which Biden's presidency goes beyond a, quote, return to normal will depend crucially on the left's ability to mobilize around some of the demands you'll hear in this episode. This podcast is not affiliated with the DSA, and all audio is included with the permission of the individual participants. The first speaker that we have uh, will be Crystal from the Afro-Socialist and Socialists of Color Caucus. Crystal, take it away. Thanks, Daphna. Um, as you said, hi, my name is Crystal Ogafor. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm calling in from Lenny Lenape land. And tonight I'll be speaking as a representative of the Afro-Socialist and Socialist of Color Caucus. Afro-Social mobilizes DSA's BIPOC membership and builds power with and for the nation's multiracial working class. I'm proud to present Afro-Social's vision for a socialist government during a time of interrelated crises. It's important to recall the origins of 100-day planning. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt was the first chief executive to mount such a campaign. In his 1933 100-day plan, FDR modeled some of the policies for which we, as socialists, advocate. Universal programs for employment and social protection. Yet FDR intentionally excluded Black Americans from the New Deal. He sacrificed our material security in politically expedient compromises with racist Southern Democrats. In doing so, he prevented Black folks from developing the wealth that served the cushion during financial shocks like the coronavirus pandemic. The consequences of New Deal exclusion are felt to this day. When universal programs put expediency over equity, they amount to state violence, the organized abandonment of groups at the margins. However, organized abandonment is not the only way that the state antagonizes us. There's also the use of brute force. From Ferguson in 2014 to Baltimore in 2015 and cities across the country in 2020, police repressed protesters who mobilized to honor the inherent value of Black life. This is to say nothing of the day-to-day harassment that Black and Brown people experience at the hands of the police. Afrosurge condemns both the covert violence of austerity and the overt violence of police brutality. 
As socialists, we must work to tackle state violence in all of its forms, both over and covert. Secretary Akrasocha's 100-day plan accounts for difference and addresses longstanding inequities. We know state violence looks different for Haitian migrants facing immigrant detention in Texas, Ohlone women resisting dispossession in California, and Mexican families fighting skyrocketing rents in Illinois. Racial capitalism is pervasive, but its consequences vary across structures, cultures, histories, and geographies. The policies we seek must vary too. With that in mind, Aversoch endorses the following 100-day priorities. Following the lead of the Movement for Black Lives, Aversoch calls for the passage of H.R. 40 to pursue reparations and the rescission of the 1033 program to demilitarize the police. Following the lead of the Red Nation, Aversoch calls for comprehensive land return and restoration program to initiate the decolonization process. Following the lead of Mijente, Aversoch calls for a blanket moratorium on deportations and enforcement action to dismantle the immigration, caging, and deportation machine. And lastly, following the lead of the Asian American Feminist Collective, Aversoch calls for a politics of community care, an end to precarity and federal penny pinching during the coronavirus pandemic. People of color face distinct harms at the hands of the state and the market. As the New Deal illustrates, universal programs that do not proactively address these harms reproduce them. That's our adversaries is committed to getting into step. We're organizing around a shared vision for broad-based economic inclusion while simultaneously targeting forces that have kept folks of color at the margin. Thank you. I don't know if you all are feeling this, but I am feeling like it would be pretty good to just have these people so far <laughs> getting in charge of some policies. Um, so Ashik from uh, the Green New Deal campaign. Uh, hi, everyone. <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, great to be here with all of you. My name is Ashik Sadiq, and I'm on DSA's Green New Deal campaign committee, and I'm calling from Washington, D.C. on Piscataway land. Um, and I, I really love this prompt because it flips the script on what you often hear about the climate crisis, which is how insolvable it is because of human nature. Uh, but as socialists, we know that what's leading us to climate catastrophe is not human nature, it's capitalism. And if we can organize working class power to challenge capital, then we can win a society where the abundance of this planet is, is democratically shared and managed by everyone, not just the capitalists who are currently ruining our planet for their own profits while they plan to move to Mars. Um, so DSA's Eco-Socialist Working Group has laid out a vision for a radical Green New Deal uh, with seven guiding goals that you can check out at um, our website, which I'm dropping in the chat. Um, and this would guide what we do in the first hundred days in a socialist government, uh, which would be launching a 10-year national mobilization to solve the climate crisis and fulfill some of the most radical ambitions of the original New Deal and go much further to repair the harms of racism and colonialism that were unresolved or further perpetuated throughout the 20th century, which Crystal laid out really well. So we would do things like uh, first off, taking full responsibility for the U.S.'s historic responsibility for carbon pollution and use its massive industrial capacity to help decarbonize the global economy as fast as humanly possible. We would nationalize fossil fuel companies to phase them out as fast as possible and try fossil fuel CEOs for crimes against humanity. Uh, we would publicly own electric utilities so we can control the shift to 100% renewable fossil-free energy by 2030 as fast as we need. We would establish a federal job guarantee that builds working class power through the public sector with good union jobs, shorter work weeks, and living wages 
for necessary work that actually repairs our society and restores ecosystems. We would start to decommodify survival by ensuring basic needs are guaranteed as public goods like healthcare, housing, electricity, public transit, that would be free and funded by the socialist state. We would start to demilitarize and decolonize U.S. empire by shifting resources from the massive military budget to international aid, climate reparations, and restoring land to indigenous management to build real global solidarity toward climate justice. And we would redistribute resources from the worst polluters, shifting funds from endless wars and wealth extraction by elites to fund the ecological and societal transformation we actually need. But where are we at in real life? In Biden's first week in office, he's entered the Paris Agreement again. He's canceled the Keystone Pipeline, which are good things that reestablished the status quo of Obama's presidency, which was not exactly a socialist utopia. And we might see big stimulus bills this year that do commit trillions of dollars to green infrastructure, which means the entire physical landscape of the country could be reshaped over the next decade. But on what terms? Where are those trillions going to go? Will it be to capitalists like Elon Musk and Tesla or Uber and Lyft who are lobbying to bust down labor rights for millions of workers? Will it find new ways to exploit workers in frontline communities within U.S. borders and across the global south? These are massive questions that we have to figure out how to organize around. How do we get from where we are now to the world that we laid out that we actually want? And the labor movement is <clears throat> historically weak right now, but unionization rates are actually pretty comparable to the beginning of the Great Depression in the 1930s, which is when mass worker action increased dramatically over the decade of the original New Deal to when massive advances for the working class. So that's why in this in real life, first 100 days, the DSA Green New Deal campaign is working with the Labor Commission to campaign for the PRO Act to protect the right to organize and help rebuild labor power to get as strong as it needs to be in the years ahead to, to win a just transition to a green economy for all. Uh, we have massive openings to reshape the political and physical terrain of American society this decade, but it's up to us to build a socialist organization that can be the backbone for working class power that we need to win a Green New Deal. So um, I'll just drop the link again to sign up for the campaign for a pro act that you can plug into. Thank you. One last speaker for the evening, David Kotz from the International Committee. Dave. Hello, I'm David Kotz, a uh, member of the International Committee uh, and a member of the Pioneer Valley DSA chapter in Western Massachusetts. In the first 100 days of socialism, American foreign policy would no longer serve the interests of big corporations and banks in their drive to exploit working people and to profit from ravaging the natural environment around the world. Instead, a socialist foreign policy would promote the well-being of working people in the U.S. and throughout the world, would promote a sustainable relation to nature and a peaceful world. The new socialist American foreign policy would include the following. First, America would stop seeking to dominate the world. Toward that end, we would take the following steps. First, close all of our military, our foreign military bases. Uh, we would make a large cut in US military spending to a level sufficient for a genuine national defense, not the projection of power outside the country. We would work cooperatively with other governments and through the United Nations to solve global problems, actually, a position that's very popular with the American public at this time. We would turn away from a new Cold War with China and instead seek to promote 
peaceful resolution of disputes with China and to work with China on climate change and the threat of pandemics. Second, we would stop using economic and financial sanctions to punish other countries, such as Cuba, Venezuela, and Iran that dare to act independently of the United States. Third, we would renounce the use of nuclear weapons and other weapons of mass destruction and pursue agreements with other governments to entirely abolish such weapons. Fourth, we would work toward a global green transition to achieve a sustainable economy and avert disastrous global climate change. Toward that end, technology would be shared, not based on getting a profit, but instead based on global need, taking special account of the needs of global South countries that are in the most danger. We are also committed to sharing the burden of preparing the world for inevitable climate change harmful effects. Fifth, we would work toward the creation of a new global monetary order that treats all nations equally to replace the current monetary order that privileges the US dollar. The current system enables the richest nations to serve as financial safe havens, which damages the global south. Sixth, we would discontinue US support of Israel's oppression of the Palestinian people and stand in solidarity with Palestinian civil society's nonviolent struggle against apartheid, colonialism, and military occupation, and for equality, human rights, and self-determination. A political solution to that crisis must be premised on the guarantee of basic human rights, including an end to the military occupation, an end to discrimination against Palestinians within Israel, and the right of return of refugees. Seventh, we would discontinue support for Saudi Arabia's disastrous military intervention in Yemen, which has caused a humanitarian disaster. Eighth and last, we would end government repression of journalists and whistleblowers who reveal information about harmful actions by US agencies abroad. This is a future we can imagine when there is a socialist administration in the US. If you are interested in some of these issues, uh, I encourage you to look into joining the DSA International Committee. I posted a link to the International Committee uh, website where you can get information about how to apply to the International Committee. Thank you. Please refer to the show notes for links to the activities our speakers mentioned. Coming next on this podcast, Amel Ahmed on the attempted coup in the U.S. on January 6th, and Thea Rio-Francos on eco-socialist organizing during the Biden presidency. Join us in thinking aloud about how our day-to-day work during corona can cohere into a battle plan for democratic socialism after it. <laughs>